Hello everyone, my name is Haley Elizabeth and welcome to episode four of my podcast, Behind You. Now, if you guys are unfamiliar with my podcast, I sit down once a week with you guys discussing all things true crime from unsolved and solved murders, disappearances, all the way to cults, biggest bank heists in America, the biggest drug busts in the world, all things true crime. So if you are interested in any of that, make sure to pop in every Tuesday on Spotify and Apple to listen to the audio version and every Wednesday on my YouTube channel, Haley Elizabeth, to watch the visual version. Speaking of the visual version, if you are watching the visual version right now, um, you know I'm not in that set anymore. I used to do videos in my bedroom and then I took it out of my bedroom and then it just felt too uncomfortable. Like I felt like I was super far away from you guys. It was a bit too professional for me. So I brought it back to my bedroom. But yes, today we are going to be talking about the case of Bianca Devins. There is a lot to get through. So let's just hop right into it. Bianca Devins was born on October 2nd of 2001 in Utica, New York. She has two sisters, her mom Kim and her father Mike. Now, as a child, uh, Kim described uh, Bianca's father Mike to be very abusive. He was just kind of in and out of her life all the time. He never really had a connection with any of his daughters. But despite all of these external circumstances going on, Bianca was still such a very happy child and one of Bianca's sisters Olivia she is a younger sister to Bianca and when her mother Kim was pregnant with Olivia it was said that Bianca would bring her sonogram like her mother's sonogram and show it off to people because she was so so excited to have a younger sister even after Olivia was born the two were extremely close and Bianca she was just so outgoing as a child she loved to be around people. She loved to talk to people. She loved to play. She went to Notre Dame Junior Senior High School. And whilst in high school, people said that at first she was super outgoing. And then as the year went on, she kind of just became super reserved and to herself. Friends described her to be more anxious and quote, kind of on her own. As she got older, she started to kind of grow into her interest and what she liked. And she was really, really into anime and drawing but at her school she just couldn't find her clique of friends essentially she couldn't find that group of friends that she really vibed with and that she you know shared the same interests and that she could even open up about her like love for anime or drawing because you know sometimes like people who don't watch anime will say things like, oh, that's so cringy, you know, so it was kind of hard for her to find her group and that's why she started to become super reserved and to herself. Because of this isolation, uh, her mother actually sent her to a couple of therapists, but none of the therapists could really help Bianca get out of her shell or try to figure out mentally what was going on. In ninth grade, the mother, Kim, and her her ex-husband Mike had gotten into a divorce and after this divorce um, she couldn't afford Bianca to go to the Notre Dame uh, junior senior high school anymore so she moved from that high school to Thomas R. Proctor high school and in her early years of high school she actually got a boyfriend by the name of Derek Ward. How Derek described Bianca was quote I could tell her anything. She was probably the best therapist I ever had. Bianca as well as 
Derek both had very chaotic family lives, so that was something that they really bonded over, and every time they would vent their problems to each other, they just understood each other, and he also said, quote, she told me how she would babysit kids, and there were a lot of kids in that house. That's a lot of stuff to put on one person's plate. And so going to this new high school, since she was, you know, brand new, new, nobody knew her, she was finally able to kind of scope out friends and try to find someone that was like her. She found a small group of friends, not close group of friends, but a small group of friends that she, you know, had a connection with. They both really liked anime, they both really liked drawing, and through this, she was able to gain a lot of confidence in herself. She was the type of girl that would dye her hair all different colors. She would dye her friend's hair. She wore very outgoing clothing. Because of this, she wasn't really the type of person to judge others at all. Uh, She would be friends with anyone. She wasn't the type of person to judge someone based upon their looks or what they liked because since she just had that personality, she kind of just accepted everyone. Her friends described her to be very, very supportive and kind. And then following into 2017, her mother started to notice that Bianca would go through these periods of times where she was super sad, super depressed, and then afterwards she'll hit a really big high and like be very outgoing and with her friends every day, but then she would stoop back into that deep depression again where she wouldn't talk to anyone. And at the time, she had signs of borderline personality disorder. She just wasn't diagnosed with it at the time, but she would be diagnosed with it later on in the story. So Bianca was only in high school for that one year in freshman year, and then in her sophomore year, that is when her mom enrolled her in a homebound tutoring program, which basically she could do all of her homework and schoolwork at home. Since she was now home every day, um, there really wasn't much for her to do except go online, and going online, she was able to connect with communities of people that enjoyed the same things she did and the three main social medias that she would use the most was Instagram, Discord, and 4chan and she felt more comfortable and a lot more confident in wearing clothing that wasn't, you know, stereotypical, uh, dyeing her hair, crazy colors, and she just felt like she had found her people but online. She started looking forward to the future at this point. She was now not in a place where she was just kind of living her life day by day. She actually saw goals for herself and a future and she actually had dreams of going to college after high school and majoring in psychology to help people with mental illnesses. Now a lot of articles that I've read when going through this case, they describe Bianca to be a like Instagram influencer or like a very famous public figure, which from what I can see, she really wasn't. I think people just say that because it, you know, looks a lot better title-wise, but that's just not true. Um, She, at this point, only had about 2,000 followers on Instagram, which is still a lot of followers. She wasn't an influencer or anything. She was just a normal girl going to school, going to college, you know, talking with friends. 
But unfortunately, although she did flourish with her friend group online, it did get to a point where her like moods were coming back, where she would go into her dark times and then her high times. She started to hit another dark point where her mental illnesses just got a lot worse because she wasn't being diagnosed by any of these therapists that she was seeing. And it was very sad and frustrating for the mother as well to just see Bianca's mental health get worse and worse and then every time Kim would bring her into therapies the therapist would not know what to do or would just direct her to another therapist. I assume it was really really frustrating for her as well because she's trying to help Bianca but no one is helping Bianca and through her mental illnesses getting worse undiagnosed she had a lot of sensory issues. She was triggered by loud noises and whenever she would hear loud noises she would scream. Unintentionally it was just kind of a reflex and she also had extreme claustrophobia to the point where she couldn't even be in a car because just being in a car and being enclosed in a car freaked her out and then the following year in October of 2018 she was admitted into a mental hospital and at this hospital that is when she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder PTSD and she stayed from October 2018 to February February of 2019. So when she was released in February, she really became more isolated to her real life friends and even more than she was before, even before she would see them sometimes but not very often. But now that she was released from the hospital, she just didn't really find joy in hanging out with people anymore. And so she really just dedicated all of her time to spending with her online friends. Um, And as I said earlier, the main social medias that she would use is Tumblr, Instagram, 4chan, and Discord. Now, if you guys don't know what Discord is, Discord is an app where you can connect with other people via typing, face call, or just regular voice call with similar interests as you through servers. If you go into, for example, a server anime related, each server has different rooms. So you could go into each room, maybe one room is a room where everybody's voice chatting, another room is where everybody is like doing face-to-face, another room could be dedicated to drawing, like everybody posts their art in there, another room could be dedicated to just chatting, like anytime anyone's bored you could just talk in there. But since Discord is free to the public, it's mainly targeted towards a younger audience. So because of this very young audience, just to make sure that everything is under control, you know, there's no funny business going on, uh, each server has moderators. So a moderator's job, it typically consists of maybe one to three people, and they are people that frequently go into the server and just kind of, you know, look through the chats and make sure that there's no vulnerable children giving out personal information such as like addresses, credit cards. There's no creepy old people in there trying to pry on younger kids. And when they do see that, they immediately block the person, they delete any graphic or explicit content on there. And that doesn't just go for like sexually explicit content, that also goes for racial slurs, homophobic slurs. Again, just making sure that everyone is having a good time. 4chan is essentially just like Discord, except there are no moderators. 
4chan tends to be very unhinged. It tends to be a platform that a lot of like racist and homophobic people gravitate to because there is no barrier or there is no line that they can't cross. Now, Bianca was not involved in all of that stuff on 4chan. She mostly just used 4chan as an outlet to, again, talk to people and meet new friends with similar interests as her. As I said, Bianca was very loving to everyone. She accepted everyone. She didn't care who you are, what you did, what you identified as. As long as you're a good person, then that's all that mattered to her. So then in May of 2019, Bianca had told her mom that she was meeting up with a new friend that she met online. Having that discussion with your parents, it can be very, very scary because parents are like, oh, you know, like meeting up with a stranger online is literally what they tell you not to do. So because of this, Kim was kind of standoffish to the idea, but she agreed to Bianca if she could meet the guy beforehand. And this man was 21-year-old Brandon Andrew Clark. Brandon was 21 and Bianca was 17. Bianca was only 17 years old when all of this was going on. And she described Brandon the first time she met him to be very nice, very polite, really was no red flags about him. He just seemed like a normal kid. Brandon actually lived about 50 minutes away from Bianca, so he drove a long while to visit her, and he would frequently drive the great lengths to see Bianca because they just, you know, had such a best friend connection that he just, you know, wanted to see her all the time. And then on the first day that they ever met each other, Bianca and Brandon, after he met the mother, uh, it was said that Brandon and Bianca drove to a nearby park and basically just hung out on the swings and talked because, you know, when you're meeting an online friend for the very first time, it can be very awkward at first, but then after a while, you like warm up to each other and it's just become surreal that you're actually talking to this person. Brandon at first met Bianca on Instagram and then through Instagram, he found her Discord and then through Discord, he started talking to her through like these group chats that they were in, but then eventually moving their conversations to more one-on-one and then eventually realizing that they lived super close to each other and that is when they decided to meet. Same thing with Bianca. A lot of like these news outlets kept saying that Brandon had a large following or that he was also an Instagram influencer, which same thing with Bianca was not true. Like he had probably a little less than Bianca, honestly. He didn't have a crazy following to be titled as an influencer, you know what I mean? 2,000 followers, 1,000 followers, which still is a lot, but it's not like as big as people were making it sound. So he was not an influencer at all. He was just a normal guy. Kim started to get a little bit weary of Brandon, and so she sat down one day and had a conversation with Bianca and was like, hey, are you dating Brandon? Because he's coming over a lot and like, I won't be mad. Like, I just want to make sure, you know, like, I just want to keep this truthful relationship with us. And Bianca says that they are not dating and that she's had this conversation with him multiple times that she doesn't want a relationship right now because she plans on going off to college in the fall and she just doesn't want a relationship to distract her from her studies 
studies when she does go to college. She just feels like it's not smart for her to start a relationship and then have to end it because of school. So right now they're just keeping things as friends. She's also told Brandon many times that she just doesn't feel that romantic connection with him. She more just feels like, you know, they're best friends. And Brandon agreed. He was like, yeah, you know, I feel the same exact way. I feel like we're best friends and that's it. Like, I don't want anything more. And Bianca's like, great. Glad to see we're on the same page. So then on Saturday, July 13th of 2019, Bianca and Brandon were going to a concert in Queens. Now, a drive from Utica to Queens is about a four to five hour drive. And they were going to this concert at an all age club called Trans Pecos and they were going to go there to see their favorite artist and Bianca was super super excited because this was her very first concert without her parents so she was of course a little nervous but she was also very excited but she was also even more excited because Bianca and Brandon were actually going to meet up with Bianca's online crush Alex. Bianca had told her friends that she was going to meet up with Alex and all of her like mutuals knew that she had a crush on Alex and Alex sort of felt the same way as well. So them meeting up was kind of talked about within the group chats like everyone was super excited for them to meet. Uh, So Brandon showed up at Bianca's house at 2.30 to pick up Bianca so that they could head off to Alex's house and then head off to the concert and before leaving Bianca mother Kim gave her a hug and kiss goodbye and told her to be careful and be safe and that was unfortunately the last time Bianca's mother would ever see Bianca. And so as far as this new friend, um, as I said, like the mother with Brandon, she wanted to meet Brandon beforehand, but since, you know, Brandon was with her, Bianca's mom basically told Bianca, like, I don't have to meet this new friend. It's fine because I know that Brandon is with you and I trust Brandon. You could tell that Brandon was clearly very well liked in this family. He had a personality that everyone liked. He was seen more as Bianca's best friend, Bianca's sort of like big brother in a way and no one saw him as a threat to Bianca and so when I tell you later what he does it's you know it's understandable why this was a huge shock to everyone. Some reports say that all three of them met up they drank a little bit they smoked and at one moment while Brandon was in the other room Bianca and Alex had kissed and this was a very big deal because as I said they both had a crush on each other and right after it happened Bianca was texting her friends in her discord group chat of what just happened and then afterwards all three of them went to the concert. After Brandon and Bianca departed from Alex, Bianca and Brandon were driving from Queens back to Utica to drive home and as they were driving home you know they were just talking about the concert and what happened and then whilst they were having this conversation conversation. As I said, Brandon and Bianca were best friends. So Bianca had told Brandon, like, you're never going to guess what happened. 
I kissed Alex. And she thought in her head with Brandon being one of her closest friends that Brandon was going to be like, oh my god, no way. How was it? You know, just be super excited for her. But instead, he became very furious with her. He sparked up an argument. He started calling her names and saying all of these things. And this was a very odd thing for Bianca because she was like, whoa, why are you why are you getting so mad? Like, I thought we were friends. I thought, like, I could talk to you about this and it would be fine. Like, you made it very clear to me what you wanted and I've made it very clear to you what I wanted. After this argument, she went on Discord and she talked to her friends. If you are on visual, Bia is Bianca and she's talking to her friend, Ecat. Ecat and Bianca basically have a Discord conversation talking about how Bianca is in the car with Brandon and Brandon is listening to sad music all of the sudden. Bianca says to her friend Ecat, she says, he smells so nice, lol, talking about her kiss with Alex. Ecat responds and says, sniff, I told him to tidy up. Is he still super awkward? Bianca says, haha, no, he's perfect. I'm in love. Ecat says, is he still being shy or talkative? Bianca says, shy right now, but he smiled, smoked, haha. We held hands and my friend is so mad. Ah, yay, kiss. He saw us kiss. I kissed him twice. After the argument, it just kind of goes quiet in the car. No one's talking to each other. And Brandon goes on Instagram and he posts a picture with the caption, here comes hell, it's redemption, right? Afterwards, he changed his Instagram bio to the date of his birth to the date of his death that day with the quote, just know that I feel no pain now. He also posted on his Facebook page saying, quote, I'm ending it all today. I'm sorry to all the family and friends that wanted me to achieve. I love you all. So he was basically on social media as he was driving, posting things and saying all these things as if he was going to kill himself that day. And the occurrences during this point of how everything went down is very fuzzy. Brandon hasn't really talked about the actual murder itself, but what we do know is that he went to this dead-end road, he took Bianca out of the car, he somehow got her into the woods, and once in the woods, he took out a butcher's knife and slit her throat. And after doing that, he did one of the worst things anyone could ever have done. He took pictures of Bianca and he also posted them on social media. He posted them on Instagram, Snapchat, 4chan, Discord. He also goes on his personal Discord after everyone's freaking out and he goes, quote, my effing car. I F Bianca's dumb A. Anyway, remember to subscribe to PewDiePie. Also, to the FF Alex with the Chinese username, I hope it was worth it. She was going to go home today. He basically points it to be like Alex's fault. And even though it was not 
Alex's fault, and I'll get more deeper into that later. Um, but after he posts these things, unfortunately, once he posted this all over the place to Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, 4chan, a lot of people started to screenshot the photo. The photo was it was starting to be circulated so much to the point where the mother Kim was actually receiving messages from people with Bianca's photo and saying things like, "Is this your daughter? What happened? Is this real?" So how Kim and Bianca's sisters found out that Bianca was dead was through people sharing to them Bianca's dead body. Early that morning, the very next day, police phone lines were ringing off the hook because people were trying to figure out if this was a joke, if this was real, and if it was fake, like how could someone do something like this? And so early that morning, Brandon himself had called the police saying that he had killed his girlfriend and and he was going to kill himself as well. He was on a dead-end road called Poe Street near Bianca's house. And so immediately when the police get this call, they rush to the location and they find a man lying on the ground beside a black SUV. And immediately when Brandon saw the police, he started stabbing himself in the neck, but the police were able to stop Brandon from making too much damage. And at this point, they called an ambulance for Bianca. Bianca and for Brandon and Brandon was brought to the hospital and survived the stabbing. They saw Bianca and knew it as soon as they seen her that this was the girl that was being posted in all of the photos. Um, nearby the crime scene they also found a butcher knife that was used on Bianca. After Brandon left the hospital he was arrested and charged immediately with second degree murder. Now there is a lot of controversy about his charge. A lot of people believe that this was first degree murder. If you guys don't know the difference between first degree and second degree murder, first degree is premeditated while second degree is non-premeditated. So with first degree, you need the supplies, you need the location, you need a plan, but second degree is more of spontaneous and in the moment. And for some reason, they saw this crime as more spontaneous and in the moment than him preparing for it. And so whilst he was awaiting trial, the police decided to make a deal with Brandon and said that if he pled guilty, he would get 25 years to life, but Brandon refused to plea guilty. So he pleaded his innocence. He said that it wasn't his fault, apparently, which is very, very hard to argue when you're the only one at the crime scene. And not to add that he posted pictures of her body on his social media, as well as posting selfies with the body. Like he posted everything on social media. So how he's gonna plea not guilty is going to be very, very hard. Whilst awaiting trial, this photo was being circulated very, very quickly. Everyone was seeing this photo. It was all over Twitter and Instagram and in Discord. People were even making fake accounts for Bianca and just basically trolls online, fake accounts on Discord and basically posting the pictures, making jokes about the situation. Obviously, people would be like, that's not funny. You shouldn't be doing that. But 
there were just some really, really messed up people online that were doing this about the situation. And the NYPD actually tried their hardest to try to delete every single copy of Bianca's pictures online. But since it was spreading so quickly, it was really, really hard to keep it all under control. And not only was this terrible for Bianca, this was terrible for her family too, because it's like every time they went online, they were constantly reminded of what happened to her. Brandon father Jason actually came out and made a statement to Bianca's family saying that Brandon's family was extremely sorry and Brandon was the oldest of four boys and he was raised right. Now looking a little bit deeper into Jason, Brandon's father, Brandon's father Jason had actually had a very similar situation to the whole Bianca and Brandon situation. So Jason was said to be a very abusive father to all of his kids, especially his wife. There was one instance where Brandon was 12 years old and Jason's father actually held his wife, aka Brandon's mother, as a hostage for 10 hours while the police were outside and he told the police that he was going to slit his wife's throat for cheating and then kill himself. Jason never actually killed uh, his wife. He actually never killed himself. He was able to comply with the police after 10 hours. And so that situation was very similar to what uh, Brandon had done. So they were thinking that maybe there was some sort of link between that. Maybe something that went on with his childhood that he saw he later recreated. His his father, Jason, he thought that his wife had cheated on him. And so his reaction to it was to kill her and then kill himself. And same thing with Brandon, when he saw Bianca cheat on him, which wasn't even cheating because they weren't even dating. When he saw Bianca do that, he felt betrayed and kind of like his father, he wanted to kill her and then kill himself. But in this case, he actually went through with killing her and never actually killed himself. Jason, because of this violent act, he actually got two to four years in prison. And even after he was released from prison, he would frequently abuse his wife. And then when Jason finds out that people are looking more into him, Jason backpedals and he says that there is no way that Brandon did this because of him. Brandon actually did this because he was on LSD at the time, which makes no sense because Brandon did not test positive for any sort of drugs when he was found. From testimonies of friends on Discord, it was said that Brandon was obsessed with Bianca and he would frequently tell people that him and Bianca were dating she made it very clear to everyone, including Brandon, that they were not dating, even though every time people would ask Brandon, he would say that they were dating. There were so many articles and I wanted to lightly touch on this real quick because it was something that really threw me for a loop. I could not believe that this was true and that people were actually doing stuff like this and saying stuff like this. And there were so many like really big articles like really big name articles and even some like big name people on YouTube that I was watching that were saying stuff like Bianca was leading him on or that Bianca didn't see that Brandon had feelings for her and it was her responsibility to cut it off if she noticed that Brandon had feelings for her. I'm just gonna lay it out right now. Bianca was not 
leading on Brandon. That people would say something like that over a girl that can't even defend herself, you know? Brandon clearly had feelings for Bianca. Bianca had set her boundaries in the very beginning saying, this is what I want and I need you to respect that. Brandon's response was, yes, I feel the same exact way. Let's be friends and let's move on. Bianca in her mind thinks that Brandon is on the same page as her. If Brandon had felt feelings for Bianca and never expressed those feelings when he should have, that is now Brandon's responsibility in the friendship to either distance himself or open up to her about his feelings. She just assumes that they are really good friends and that's it. And that's why she even told Brandon about the kiss because she thought that them two were friends. Bianca was not leading him on. She did not give him hope for a relationship. She made it very clear that she didn't want a relationship because she was going to college in the fall and Brandon knew that. And at that point, it's up to Brandon to again distance himself or tell her straight up how he felt. That does not fall on Bianca at all. If Brandon couldn't take no for an answer that is on Brandon. That is not on Bianca. I don't even understand how people could see how that is on Bianca. It's just, ah, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. And I was so surprised that all of these like big name articles were saying stuff like this. Okay, anyway, I could go on forever, but that's essentially what I needed to say and I said it. Okay, moving on. So then on March 16th of 2001, two years later, that is when the trial was held. The trial was held two years later and it was greatly postponed due to COVID. Brandon decided to eventually plead guilty to the second degree murder of Bianca and he was sentenced to 25 years to life per their agreement earlier. Bianca's family was actually at this trial and Brandon stood up and made a statement to the family saying, quote, how do you meaningfully apologize for doing something so horrible, so irreversible? That's the worst part. I can't take it back. Bianca's sister then went up and made a statement as well, saying, And I have to live the rest of my life knowing I had to say goodbye to my sister in a funeral home and I didn't even know if she heard me. I am 17 years old now. My life has just begun, but this is when Bianca's was taken. Bianca's grandfather was also there and he said, quote, you, Brandon, deserve to spend the rest of your life in prison without freedom, deprived of the rights you took from Bianca. The aftermath of all of this, um, the family still to this day receives very hateful comments from people and hateful messages from people and saying things like look at your daughter now your daughter is a blank she got what she deserved again it's just super disgusting that people would do stuff like this or people would say that bianca led him on or that people would just victim blame bianca and not even realize how how terrible that is to tell to a grieving parent. And although there were a lot of people that were very rude and disgusting about it, there were a lot of people that were extremely nice. Bianca's favorite color was pink, so a lot of people made fan art for Bianca. A lot of people would send very heartwarming messages to the family, telling them that they are in their prayers and they just sympathize with them a lot. Even some parents 
parents that have lost their child has reached out to Bianca's family. It wasn't all bad. There were a lot of positive people, but it's just sometimes those terrible people unfortunately have more space in your mind than the positive sometimes. The family afterwards also created what is now called Bianca's Law. Bianca's Law makes it illegal to post, share, or publish personal images with the intent to degrade or abuse someone who has been the victim of a crime while also causing emotional, financial, or physical harm to the victim or their family. Bianca's family also did some interviews with the media after Afterwards, basically just spreading awareness in Bianca's name and Bianca's mother said in an interview saying quote Bianca is much more than those photos she's more than her death and she's more than a murder case she's an artist a sister a daughter a friend and a bright light that was taken way too soon and I'm gonna leave it off with that because I think that quote was super super powerful. I really hope that Bianca's family is healing as much as they can and although you know Bianca's law could not bring Bianca back they did do something good in Bianca's name and that's what Bianca wanted to do when she was older. She wanted to do good. She wanted to help people and I feel like by the family doing and creating Bianca's law they actually did something good in Bianca's name. She is now helping people in the world that she wanted to do when she was alive. So that is the end of today's case. Um, If you guys found this interesting, make sure to rate it five stars on Apple and Spotify podcasts. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure to subscribe and come back next Wednesday when we talk about our next case. Um, Make sure to give it a thumbs up as well because that really, really helps. And so, yes, that's all from me. So I hope you guys have a good rest of your morning, day, night, whenever you're watching this. Drink some water, eat something, go outside, and do something that makes you happy today. Bye.